Welcome back to Geek Channel 8, GC8, the podcast where we sit around and talk about movies that you have seen this year, last year, or probably a long time ago and completely forgot about. Well, I've been training for a new job, which is basically like taking a concentrated two-month college course in economics. So I haven't had much time to watch a lot of extracurricular TV or movies. Uh, I did finish the most recent season of The Crown. Loved it. Highly recommend. Left us on a nice cliffhanger, and I'm looking forward to, I mean, we already know what's going to happen. Diana is still alive at the end, but she's about to meet the guy that she was dating when uh, she was in the car accident where they were ultimately killed. Great, great season. Great acting. I love their choices for all of the characters in the show. But yeah, I've only really had time to watch TV shows and the movie that we're featuring today, which is, um, hold on, let me try to get the pronunciation right because I actually Googled it. La Argent. I think so. I don't know if I did great. I, I, I don't know either. I, nope. I just say L'Argent. I don't know. It means money. But yeah, we'll, the money. We'll get, We'll get to silver. That. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So I've been pretty scatterbrained with my viewing lately. I've watched a handful of, you know, movies that were pretty dumb and not worth talking about here. I try to get into TV series because there's a lot of good ones going on, but then I just keep getting like, I don't really want to put in the time for a TV series and sit through the whole thing. This film we're about to talk about at the time of this recording is streaming on HBO Max. And we've learned that HBO Max is going to go away next year. So mm. I'm trying to like watch some of the stuff that I've always meant to watch, but haven't. A lot of the David Attenborough wildlife specials like Planet Earth and stuff like that. But there's a limit to how many of those you can watch in a row. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm kind of sad as a movie guy that HBO is downplaying their movie stuff in favor of their Discovery TV show stuff, which apparently does better business. So it's going to be some kind of Discovery Plus app that's going to be mostly Discovery Channel stuff. That's what the rumor is. And so uh, I'm oh, I'm sorry. I got, I'm sure you're about to go into this, but what's going to happen to HBO? Because I have a s- subscription and I'm paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> like the the on the t over the you know cable HBO, uh, no, like the the app HBO Max. Well, nobody really knows right now, but they th- it's probably going to get discontinued. So that I have no idea. Like we just went through this a year or two ago, where H- it used to be HBO Now, mm-hmm. and, and uh, people like me had like elaborate to watch lists. Then they got rid of that and we had to start all over again with HBO Max. And Mm -hmm. now it looks like they're going to get rid of that. So I don't know. We will have to see. We'll follow that as it goes. The other thing I started on Netflix, the show Wednesday, which is the Adams Family re-re-reboot, constant reboots going on with that property. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I I kind of like the that it's set in Vermont and I live in Vermont. So that was kind of neat. But the thing about the Adams family is that they're weird. They're creepy and they're kooky. Mysterious and ooky. Yeah. 
Yeah. But the problem is that works when they're like surrounded by normal people. But mm-hmm. in the Wednesday show, she goes to a sh- like a Hogwarts type place where like they're all yeah. like creepy. And I'm like, how's this going to work? We'll see. But the actress that plays Wednesday does a really good job. Yes. I've been a fan of the Adams family since I was a little kid watching it in syndication. I should have known then <laughs> that I was going to end up <laughs> punk rock kid hanging out on short fine and meeting you. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm always going to relate on a certain level to Wednesday. Love her. Love that show. And I love the reboot, especially the fact that the characters are true to like the original cartoon. That's pretty cool too. Luis Guzman. Good choice. Yeah. And he, by the way, lives here in Vermont. So oh, does he really? Yeah. He lives not that far north of me. I've never run into him, but Vermont's a really, really small place. So I probably will sooner or later. <laughs> okay. Enough about that. Let's get into today's movie, L'Argent, roughly translated as money or the money. This film was inspired by. Tolstoy's novel, The Counterfeit Bill, which he wrote in like 1904 or something, really early 1900s. It wasn't published until 1910, but the story is like a lot of Tolstoy stories. It's a little hard, hard to follow where, where it's going. <laughs> like it, it, yes. it doesn't end where you think it's going to end. This film was made by Robert Bresson who is one of France's and cinema in general's greatest directors. This was his final film in 1983. And I think he said it was his favorite film that he made. He is incredibly influential. The directors he was most influential on in my cinema going experience were the independent filmmakers of the 1990s, the Jarmusch's, the Richard Linkletters, and the, you know, but everyone from Werner Herzog to Cocteau, Kozlowski to Scorsese, they've all credited him as an influence or, you know, have picked out individual works of his as being particularly important. I don't have a lot of background on what the production of this was like, but I do know a little bit about Brassant's technique. So Brassant has this or had this style of directing where he would try to eliminate the performance from the actor. His I noticed ver- that. He would have the actor do the lines and then do take after take after take after take until it reached a point where it was like, you know, had lost all the performance aspect of it. You definitely see that with this film. Like, it comes across kind of flat. Everybody's given pretty flat deliveries, probably because they've like, Robert, we just did that line a hundred times. Okay, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, So the film is about, it's really the, the basic premise is set up at the very start and it's about a counterfeit 500 franc note what happens is there's a young kid and he goes in to ask his father for money because apparently he claims he owes somebody some money and the father gives him his allowance but not enough and he goes to his mother his mother doesn't give him any more money 
So he goes to a friend. And I was never really clear if this is the friend he owes money to or if this is just another friend. And this other kid prints out a forged 500 franc note and then they use it to go buy a picture frame at a photo shop. Okay, so I've gone over a lot of the setup right there, but already I have a ton of questions. Mm -hmm. One thing about this film is it seems to me there's like no good people in it. There's one or two, but they don't come until later. Almost right. everybody is some kind of either criminal or shady character or, or selfish or selfish. Yeah, some sort of, it's not a lot to relate to here. My first reaction to this opening part was like, what does he need the money for that bad? And like, we never find out. I guess they bought the picture frame. So was it a picture frame that he needed the money for? That seems like a really weird thing. And I have no idea how much 500 francs is, you know, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound like a picture frame would cost a ton. I don't know. And his friend, the source of all of this trouble, as we're going to see, the one who forges this, we hardly see him again, like after this. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie. There's a lot of inferred dialogue and a lot of inferred storytelling. A lot of things they don't show, but you figure out after the scene with the next scene, what happened in the previous scene. It did cause some of the dialogue to be flat, especially now knowing about the director's method. Um, because one thing that struck me when the kid was asking for money, you know, it's like his parents were very cold. And I was like, well, okay, is that like part of the movie or is this a French cultural thing? Just seemed like a lot of people were just kind of cold towards each other. There wasn't a lot of politeness or dialogue. The conversations this kid had with his parents just seemed like, no, you get what you get. There it is. And the mom's like, no, I don't have any money and leaves. <laughs> when there is dialogue, and I don't know if this is a, a result of the translation, because mm -hmm. of course I don't speak French, so I was reading subtitles, but it seemed that when there was dialogue, it was a lot like the kind of dialogue I find in Bergman films. It was very Bergman-esque, although Bergman probably got it from Bresson rather than the other way around. Okay. It's like kind of mysterious like they'll say something and you'll be like okay what exactly does that mean of course there are times when the dialogue is very straightforward when someone's being questioned by the cops or something but a lot of times the dialogue that's not that when there is dialogue it's like a poem like people are saying stuff and they're like okay i'm not sure quite what to do with that but okay right <laughs> right right Right, exactly, exactly. After this happens, they go to the Photoshop. Apparently, there's a shady guy working at the shop. He takes this 500 franc note, and gas guy comes. Is that no? Is that I, no, actually, it was the wife that took it. The, yes, the, the Photoshop where they bought the picture frame from is owned by a husband and wife, and they have one guy that works for them. And the wife takes the 500 franc note and then the husband comes and sees, sees her and is like, oh, you're so stupid. You took a forged bill. And she's like, oh, well, you took two of them last week. Right, so, right. So like, don't get on my case when you did like twice as much last week of the same thing that you're yelling at me for. <laughs> so they decide that they're going to take all three of these forged bills and get rid of them. 
the way that they do that is there's a guy who comes to deliver the heating oil and he does that and to pay him they pay him with forged bills so now they're shady again everybody's shady and i don't know if that's like part of tolstoy's point here is that like the bills make them shady or what i don't know or you know if this like a marxist thing capitalism makes them shady i don't know Yvonne or Yvonne, he goes to a restaurant and he tries to pay with these. And that's where someone finally catches him and calls the cops. And he goes on trial for this. Next shady character that enters the story is this guy that's employed by the photo shop owners. Lucian. Yeah, Lucian. And Lucian lies and says that, yeah, that's the guy that did it. So... Both the husband and wife lie at court and Lucian lies. And so he doesn't go to jail this time, but he loses his job. Right. And this sets this sets the course for everything that happens to him afterward. Yeah. And everything's pretty straightforward at this point. I'll tell you when things go really crazy, but we're not there yet. Meanwhile, the kids that originally passed off the notes they're riding their bicycles around town and i think it's the woman yeah the uh, wife of the photoshop owner notices that the kid who is the one who really should have been busted but rather than telling the cops i guess she tells the mom uh, right because they already lied in court so they can't you know go back she's got to handle it a different way and the kid's name is norbert and norbert is taken to the principal's office and like he denies everything. His mom tells him actually to deny everything and she bribes the uh, Photoshop owners to let it rest. So now she's shady. So like everybody's shady in this. When I watched the movie last night, actually, there was a lot of stuff that looking over everything today, like I read the summary of the movie and and some things like that. And that kind of filled in the gaps that I didn't see, like the fact that the shop owners were actually in on it. It wasn't just Lucian. And so they, you know, they were shady too. And then, you know, the mom, of course, like this is a rich kid. Mom's going to go and and try to pay people off to keep her boy out of trouble. That's shady. This guy who doesn't have a lot except for a wife and daughter is just surrounded by really not so great people <laughs> right um, right yeah well lucian we said he's kind of shaded because he lied in court and stuff like that that was you could have looked at it as yeah he couldn't afford to lose his job at the photo place so maybe he was like he wasn't that shady but then we find out no he's actually pretty shady because he's got his own scam going where he's like marking up the prices on cameras and stuff like that at the shop and then selling them for more than the price and then he's keeping the difference and Mm -hmm. the husband or the wife or both of them they basically catch him doing this and yeah so they fire him now he's out of a job too but he stole the keys to the place he and his buddies they rob it and then they start on a crime spree where they're basically using stolen um atm card to rip off ATM machines, like the very primitive early, early, early ATM machines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those brought back some memories and made me feel really old because I remember seeing things 
that were similar in the U.S. to what they had over there during that period of time. But yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so as a result of losing his job, his life is spiraling out of control, just like Yvonne's. Yvonne needs money. He gets involved with some a different group of criminals. He is the getaway driver for some bank robbers. And the bank robbery fails and he's caught and he's sent to prison. Okay, so here's the thing that threw me off about that. He was just sitting in a car. That's all he was doing was sitting in a car. Like he didn't commit a crime. He was sitting in a car. That was it. And he goes to prison for sitting inside of a car. Well, that kind of didn't add up for me. I have a bit of the same reaction. So he was the getaway driver. He clearly panicked. But I guess what I don't see is like why he panicked and how they connected him to it. I got to go back and rewatch that part. Yeah, because you don't see anybody like singling him out saying, oh, he's helping with the robbery. I don't know about how it is in France, but in the U.S., if you were the getaway driver, you'd still be like sentenced to prison for that. And if someone dies, then you're like an accomplice to murder. So like, you yep. don't know what happened inside the bank. That so, happened to a family member of mine or family friend of, of ours. Yeah. Oh, God. All yeah. right. So I guess you can still go to jail just for for being there. But the question is why, like, I'm, I'm a little unclear on what happened that they recognized that he was with the robbers and, you know, that he, you know, like I said, I got to go back and rewatch it unless you have a clearer memory of what happened there. All I saw was he was in the car, some police rolled up and then he like zoomed off. They were like looking in his car because he was just sitting there and it seemed like maybe they were about to arrest him. So he drove off. Then when he got to the bottom of a hill, his car kind of spun out of control and then he hit another car and knocked it onto the sidewalk. Cause I mean, <laughs> I can see him going to jail for all that stuff. Yeah. You know? but, but I mean, not three years, not three years prison for that. You all know? I can figure is that the bank robbers, like they caught them and they said that there's a driver or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he was car? like, well, I'm not the only one involved. Like, this guy's waiting for me down the street. You know, Did, they just don't show that. So maybe that's another one of those things that's kind of inferred that maybe got lost in translation. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Maybe people could let us know if we're totally off on that. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So I figured let's go to the lobby with the fr- with the prison food that was served <laughs> while Lucian and Yvonne were in jail. Nice. Um, is, yeah. So, you know, let's let's put together a little French prison meal, which from what I read, it's not really like that. But in this movie, they had beef and potatoes it looked like pretty soft stewed potatoes so it looked like it may have been a stew like okay. stewed meat and and potatoes then they had their crust of french bread and red wine because <laughs> water because yeah, even in prison it, it, had they're not inhumane <laughs> they're not monsters of course there has to be a baguette and wine you know? yes they had a baguette and wine <laughs> in the prison so why not feature the prison meal <laughs> as we go to the lobby so if you want to put this together yourself 
I'm just going to throw my American twist on it. And if you have a French twist to this, I'd love to hear it. Just email us or, or you know, throw it, throw it into our, to our Facebook group, um, you know, Geek Channel 8. I personally fix my beef stew. I get like a beef round and I add a can of beef broth. I add chopped onions. I add Worcestershire sauce. I add a little bit of butter and minced garlic and I put it in the crock pot, but I also cut up my potatoes or I will get like small red potatoes and, and put them in, in the crock pot um, and then just cook it on low for eight hours. And there you go. You can serve it with noodles. You could serve it plain. But if you're going to go true, like American version of French prison meal in 1983, then, uh, you know, just have the meat and potatoes. You can't have good red wine. I mean, it's prison. So you got to do like the Reuniti Lambrusco. This is not a plug. Reuniti Lambrusco and then a baguette from your favorite local grocery store and, you know, water as well. So there is your American version of a uh, French 1983 prison meal. Yeah. For and going to the lobby. <laughs> this reminds me of another part of this movie, which is he goes into like a bakery at one point and the cops mm-hmm. are following him, you know, and the cop, you think they're going to get him for sure, you know? And then, yes. then he comes back and like, they could have ended the scene there, but no, you see the cops come back out and they come up to, they come to the police car and the cop is holding like two baguettes. Like the whole reason they went in there had uh, nothing to do with searching for him. They like needed to buy bread. (laughs) 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 I thought that was pretty hilarious. I'm like, okay, why are we still holding on the shot? Oh, here come the cops with two baguettes. Yeah, because, you know, they got to have it for their meal too for dinner later on that night. (laughs) All right. So Lucian and his gang are caught for their ATM scams and all that. And they're sent to the same prison that Yvonne is. Lucian claims he wants to help them out, you know, cause he feels bad about what he did, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but he's like, he's, he's like, I'll let you in on my prison break. Yvonne says, no, no, he's not interested. And yeah, he, he's he basically like, um, no, fuck you. You just screw you you messed up my whole entire life i'm not doing anything with you you're going to die someday <laughs> yeah and he vows revenge on him yeah. now can i can i just stop pause like right here for a moment and say why yeah so when he was when yvonne while yvonne was in prison um he received a letter from his wife saying that their daughter died of diphtheria and then she stopped receiving his letters she kept writing return to sender on him. So he was getting a stack. Like there was just a stack of returned letters there in the mailroom that they show. Also during this period of time, eventually his wife does write him back and says, look, it's over. I've decided to start my life over again. Yes. You know, our, I won't see you. And even the last time she visited him, she was like, you know, at least we can say that, you know, we never had an argument. Um, so she was basically kind of telegraphing her message to him, like we're over. And, you know, of course he didn't accept that. And then she mailed him, let him, let him know, like our daughter died of diphtheria. And then later she, after not accepting his letters, then she sent him a letter saying it's over. I'm moving on with my life. 
at that point, fast forward to the scene where they're having their prison meal and um, and he yeah. almost attacks a prison guard, goes into solitary confinement for 40 days. Then he meets Lu- sees Lucian in there. Lucian sends him a message and is like, hey, dude, uh, meet me here. Well, he and, also tried to kill himself. Right. He tried to kill himself when he was in solitary confinement. He kept collecting his Valiums until he had like a boatload of them, took them, attempting to kill himself, survived it, came back and basically came back to prison on the same day that Lucian was showing up to prison himself. And that's when Lucian sent him a message saying, hey, meet me here. His roommate was like, no, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't meet with him. It's not worth it. That's when Lucian presented him with the idea like, hey, let me make it up to you. Let me help you escape. And he's like, nope, you can pretty much fuck right off. I don't want anything from you. And someday you're going to die and I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. And um, if I am not covering the cinematography very well in this film or the acting or anything like that, it's because... Brisson's films are so bare bones. There's not a lot of elaborate cinematography. There's not a lot of, as we said, elaborate performances. So really, all there really is to talk about is what happens. So he's vowed revenge against Lucian, but Lucian like does try to escape. As far as we know, we never actually see it. Like a lot of things in this film, stuff is inferred. He tries to escape and is caught and sent to a, a maximum security prison, or so we think, so we imagine. It makes sense. You know, we hear the running in the hall and stuff like that. We knew there was going to be an attempt in a prison break. So, okay, everything in this movie is straightforward up until he gets out of jail. This is where things get really confusing. For right. Me. I want to point something out also in this movie. There was a conversation that he had when Lucian was escaping, the alarms were going off and Yvonne and his cellmate are having a conversation and he was like, he's going to go to a higher security prison now. And he's like, oh, I'll see, I'll see him again. And okay, there's your yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah. Maybe you know more than I do. All right. So, um, so basically he gets out. We don't hear that very often on this show. And I'm not saying that because like, you know, um, Eric's conceited or anything. He knows a lot more about movies and stuff than I do. I just happened to watch a movie last night. He watched it two weeks ago. Just want to clarify that. <laughs> okay. So they, he's released. And then it's really weird. This is where things get really weird for me. Like, I'm not really sure what happens. There's like, it seems like he follows a woman. And you're not sure what's going on with that. And he eventually finds this house, this rural house. Like, well, hold on. Let's re let's rewind a little bit because the first thing he does when he gets out of prison is he goes to a hotel. That's right. Yeah. He goes to the hotel and he kills the hotel owners and steals the money out of the register. I don't know where he stays that night. They don't show him again until the next day. And I don't know why he killed the hotel owners. It seemed like he could have robbed the place without killing them. I have my theory on that. And we'll get into that here uh, when we start talking about the end of the movie. Okay. So, well, we're, we're almost there. He, Mm -hmm. he follows a woman 
And I'm like, is he stalking her? Is he going to kill her? What's going on with that? And then Mm -hmm. like, he comes back and eventually meets this woman and decides to become like a boarder there. And things seem normal again. Like he's living there. Yeah. Um, He's helping her with chores around the house. We find out that she's a widow staying with her alcoholic father who became an alcoholic after her husband died and her two sisters one is single one is a mother one is there with her husband and their child who is in a wheelchair but you know she's a widow and she's there doing all of the housework she's doing the laundry she's cleaning the house she's moving around kind of like a robot just going through the motions even Yvonne at one point he's helping her hang the laundry and he's like you're doing all the work. Why right. are you doing all the work? And she, you know, she's just basically like, that's just what I have to do. And all right. Yeah. Spoiler alert. So there's no easy way to, 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 to lead into this. Basically. It seems like almost overnight one day he just snaps <laughs> and he turns into an ax murderer and he like ax murders. Yeah everyone in the house like everyone including the the woman who's who's always been nice to him and i'm like um what the hell and you know then he goes into town and confesses you know uh yeah after he has a shot he take he goes he goes to a restaurant sits at a table has a shot and walks right up to the cops and he's like yeah i killed the hotel owners and i killed a whole family too (laughs) <laughs> the you whole know, restaurant is like watching him get arrested and and like the police walking him out the restaurant <laughs> and i was kind of baffled and i guess that's what you're supposed to be left with because the last shot of the movie is all of the town people looking into the house where the murders occurred at like what the hell just happened there right so what the hell just happened there <laughs> like what is going on i think that he did all of that so he could go to the higher security prison that Lucian was at so he could eventually kill Lucian. Oh, I never thought of that. I I've been thinking about right. it all day, like all, all evening last night. And I've been thinking about it all morning. And I swear, I think that's why he did it. Ding, ding. You win because like that is that that is what makes the most sense. Because I kept I was about to say he never got revenge against Lucian. And I guess that's the whole point of this movie is that like. So what my take was that like he couldn't kill Lucian, so he had to kill somebody else. Like mm-hmm. so, he killed them because he, you know, he wasn't able to kill Lucian, so he had to kill someone. That was right. like all I could come up with. But I think yours, your version makes more sense. Like he want because like he turned himself in. He clearly wanted to go to prison. So that now, now I get it. Now I yeah, get it. you know, he told Lucian, "I'm going to kill you." He told his roommate. I'm going to find him someday. And then what does he do? He does what it takes to get back to Lucian to kill him. Right. Now that would never work nowadays because no. like you have no guarantee you would get sent to the same prison and like you'd probably get in the US you'd get the death penalty. So like you'd, right. you'd be on yeah. death row so you'd never be near the other person. Yeah. You like, would you would be in prison with the same guy who ran like a, a you know a low grade theft ring with ATM machines. But I guess because I'm American and I'm living in the 2020s and this is, you know, the early 80s in France and like because of all those things, 
I never put that together, but I think you are correct. I think that he, he's still working on his plan to kill Lucian. Yes. I even looked to see if there was a sequel to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did he find him? You know, did he kill him? <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> It's different from almost all the films we've done. I don't know what even comes close. Alfred Hitchcock. That's That was my thought, is like the Alfred Hitchcock movies, because in his movies, a lot of things are inferred as well. It's more symbolic. You don't see what happens, but you know what happens in the next scene because the next scene kind of explains the previous scene. Yeah. Um, you know, when I watched that, it was very Hitchcock-esque. Yeah. The closest to one we've done on the show, if I had to pick one, it might be The Lovely Bones, mm -hmm. just because Lovely Bones had a lot of like, what really happened there kind of, you know, moments in it. But it's really not fair to compare the two because they're very different films. About Largent, it was a film that won at the Cannes Film Festival. It had won a few other awards so it clearly was considered a really um important film on the international stage in 1983 1984 mm -hmm. i mean if you look at it it really does speak a lot into capitalist society it could be interpreted that way i don't think mm -hmm. that's the only interpretation no they're definitely not but i'm just saying like that's one aspect of it another one is like you know, if you take enough things away from a person, they're going to do things that are completely out of their character. That's, I feel like that's kind of what happened with Yvonne. He just seemed like a hardworking guy, hardworking family man. Uh, he kept his circle small. He really only had his wife and his daughter. And then all of that was taken from him with one small action. And yeah. it's almost like kind of like the butterfly effect. You know, one thing affects another thing, affects another thing, and then affects things on a greater scale. Well, th this was like, that was like the beginning of the end for him. His only real mistake might have been agreeing to be the getaway driver, but he needed money. So like, mm -hmm. I'm not even sure we can consider that. I don't know. It depends. I guess maybe that, you know, he chose a life of crime at that moment, but but the right. counterfeit bills wasn't even as he was totally unaware they were counterfeit. Right. That was like, yeah, he was had nothing to do with him. He had, yeah, he wasn't even involved. He was in a, he was basically, you know, an innocent bystander in a really sketchy scheme for a business to unload this fake money that people had been paying them with so that they could recoup some of their profits. And this guy ended up paying for it with his family and, and with his freedom. He couldn't prove otherwise because they lied and they put him in this, uh, this position. There are a couple of different possible, super, super simplified ways of looking at this. Like money is the root of all evil is one that you mm -hmm. hear, you know, and that could apply to this film. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think is that even if someone does something bad, it shouldn't follow them around for the rest of their life. You know, like that should not. Right. I don't know what the simplified way of saying that is, but right. Like, well, and also pride, pride can really get in the way of things too. There was the scene where he was talking to his wife after everything went down and he, you know, he didn't get in trouble with the law, 
but he had to prove to his job that he, you know, didn't take a 500 franc note on purpose. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, he wouldn't. He, he wasn't going to do that. So it's like, how is he going to provide for his family? He turns to a life of crime, you know, so his first mistake was letting his pride get in the way, you know, his pride and ego get in the way of trying to keep his job. And, and, and but then, even if he had, there's no guarantee he would have kept his job. Like, right. There's, there's no guarantee, but I'm of the school of thought that you need to at least try. But then again, like if I don't have a job, I'm screwed. So, you know, I don't know how things are in France. I don't know if they have a basic income, you know, or anything like that. You know, it didn't look like his wife was working and it didn't look like they lived in the greatest conditions anyway. So I think he was in a position like I have to make money somehow. And I don't know if it's one of those things where if your reputation is soiled with one job, it just like stays with you with every job that you get afterwards. And in France at that time, I don't I, I don't really know. But if that's the case, I could see why he would turn to a life of crime because you got to provide for your family somehow. Yep. Okay. Well, on that note, I think we should wrap this up. I want to remind everyone to give us a, a review, like write out, take the time to write like five words or something. It doesn't just, have to, whatever the minimum yeah, just, amount just is. Just like Rosie and Eric are awesome. And I love the show. That's all you got to say. Yeah, because the reviews, <laughs> podcasts that don't have reviews, even if they've got stellar star ratings, if they don't have reviews these days, they almost can't be seen. And already it's hard for any podcast that's not got a celebrity on it to be seen. So, mm-hmm. and in order for people to find it, you have they have to see that it exists. So if you like the show, please do that. If you want to talk to us or give us your interpretation of L'Argent, you can write us at gc8podcast, that's letter G, letter C, number eight, podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Eric. And this is Rosie. Signing off. Oh, man, you know what else I wanted to mention? I hope you're still recording. Um, yeah, I'm still recording. One thing I wanted to point out is that in 1983, 500 francs was worth about 65 U.S. dollars. Okay, so not a lot of money. Nowadays, it's worth about $80.50. Still, yeah. for what? Not a lot of money to lose your family over. Yeah. I forgot to bring that up. Like Rob and I were actually like trying to figure out the conversion rate last night. (laughs) Thank you for that. In 1983, the conversion rate to the U.S. dollar was 7.6213, which equals out to about $65.61 that that he went to prison and lost his family over. Wow. Nowadays, it would be $80.49, but, you know, uh, France uses euros now. I knew it was a small amount. I mean, that's still a lot amount for a picture frame. But (laughs) In in 1983, like $65 was actually a lot of money. Yeah, you that's know. what I was thinking for a picture frame. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a swanky, you know, picture frame. But yeah, that's like, like a silver, silver picture frame. Yeah. Yeah, which the Argent, like uh, one of the translations of that is silver, the silver. OK, yeah. All right. Well, I did that... do some research this time. <laughs> nice. You know?